Novak finally gets it. Cleverly! Yes! Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. There it is! A first Manchester United goal for Tom Cleverly! Look at what that means to him! That's a pass into the back of the net, that. That is a pass. Yeah, that's clever play by Tom Cleverly. They thought they'd lost the opportunity at one stage, but no. That's a pass and the goal is no chance. He can't see it. Hello and welcome to the Manchester United podcast. I'm Helen Evans and he's... David May. And he's... Sam Homewood. There we go. We are on our travels once again. I actually did a little tweet on our way here on the train. You did. Oof, check you, you out. Did. I know, check me out. Saying, where are we going? And who would you like it to be on the podcast? We got some great replies, didn't we, Macy? We did, and we got some actually, you know, tweets and messages saying that, oh, I hope it's Teddy and I hope it's such and such a body. And then players that we've already done. So yeah. for those people that are tweeting those messages, please listen to all the podcasts. Yeah, I've seen loads of requests for players we've done. We've had a few requests for well, Sir Alex as well. Um, yeah. Tasker. Email us, email us and let us know who you do want to see them. How many podcasts have we done? 120? Uh, yeah. Like it. Yeah. So there you go, 120. But it's our first time at Watford Football Club. It is, yeah. Well, as a podcast group, you guys have been before. This is a much nicer view than the one I had. Obviously, we're sat in this lovely suite. We've got our backs to this huge glass window that looks over the entire pitch here at Vicarage Road. It's lovely, isn't it? There's a little line from a song that you could sing there, Maisie. It's written on the Sir Elton John stand. Well, you can tell everybody. Oh. This is our song. I was hoping you were going to sing it. Oh, no. Moment round. Also your song. To be truthful, I can't actually. Read it from Well, you know the words. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, it's Alton Johnson. But anyway. Tom Cleverly today. It is, yeah. I really like Tom. I remember uh, when he broke through, because you always do that thing as a United fan, as you pay attention to the young players that, are, that have come from the academy and are breaking into the first team. And he was always someone that I was excited to see. Mm-hmm. I remember him being on tours and stuff and being in and around the squad. And then finally, when he really was just part of the team. Yeah, Maisie, is that your memory as well? Very, very similar, yeah. Um, funny enough, I spoke to Scalzi today and he said what a, what a great player he was. Probably just at the wrong wrong time at the club, obviously with the, the transition of the managers. But he said he was a, you know, technically one of the best players he's played with. He always played the wrong era in terms of appreciation. Because even if you think about how good Michael Carrick was, even now people still don't appreciate just how good Michael Carrick was. Yeah. And because he was a, a midfielder who didn't score loads of goals, didn't make like big crunching tackles, he just quietly got on with the job and like retained the ball really well, pressed well, passed well. He just he just was a very good central midfielder, wasn't he? That it wasn't something in the game that people were looking for often in a central midfielder from the outside. Do you think? I think everyone's always compared to Paul Scholes as well. Yeah, that's a tough thing You've, when, when you're filling those type of boots. I mean, I think Shear has come out this week saying Scholes is probably the best midfielder in the Premier League so and we all know that ourselves yeah. but no it's a tough piece to, to fill but on the flip side of that when you play alongside those type of players wow you learn so much so quick and Tom went on to have a brilliant career after Manchester Absolutely, United yeah. as so many players do and he played for England leave. as well 13 cats for England that he's, you know, he should be really really immensely proud of but yeah he's there now and he's, he's three, three months left of his contract Looking forward to it. Should be a good one. Let's get him on then. Here's Tom Cleverley. 
Tom, welcome to the Manchester United podcast. Thank you for having us here at this lovely stadium. You have just played 45 minutes, is that right? How are you getting on after your injury? Yeah, so it's been a long six months. Last game was here on my birthday against Burnley, August the 12th. And yeah, so we're nearly six months. I play for the reserves today. It's a big stepping stone in being back in the first team and it all went well. So I'm on the right track to be available this, this Saturday. Feeling good then? Yeah, I mean, still take, at my age, it takes a little bit of time to get back to full match fitness, but I feel as good as I can do and I've done everything right in the last couple of months to make sure I'm ready. How do you cope with being injured? Because some people we speak to seem to find it very difficult and others find it a bit easier. Yeah, struggle. My injury were straightforward, so we tried the non-surgical options. I'm always telling people, yeah, I'm two weeks away, I'm two weeks away, when deep down, I know I'm not. But I try and keep positive and... Post-surgery is the hardest four weeks, on crutches, missus having to do everything for me, can't do anything with the kids, literally got to keep it dry, can't put any weight on it. And yeah. What did you do? Uh, I had, it weren't a full Achilles rupture, but it was an Achilles repair. Um, I've done that. And Not good. Yeah, I've, so I had the, the right one done four or five years ago and then the left one needed doing. I was trying to see the rest of my career out, but needed doing. And so post, the four weeks post-op are really, really tough. But once you get back in the gym, you realise how important exercise is for your mind, not as well as your body. And um, yeah, it's been it's been a long one, but I can see the light at the end of the tunnel now. Growing up, Bradford, was it? Yeah, or born in Basingstoke, but for as long as I can remember, Bradford, I think two years old, moved to Bradford. And uh, yes, the place where I still call, call home, mum still lives border of Bradford Leeds she'll tell you Leeds <laughs> but yes a lot of um, good memories of Bradford as a city what was the move for for the, for the family because for the purposes of people that are listening to all over the place it's not a small distance that is it in terms no. of UK geography yeah I think dad's work uh, he worked uh, for a bank I think so and then positioned in Bradford um, or there was a job offer in Bradford and my mum was actually from there so I think that made sense and then yeah I went uh, school all the way through there and Joined Bradford City when I was about eight years old. And yeah, and then that's where my football career took off. Do you still have childhood friends from your time in school? And Yeah, I'm still really close with a couple of them. Uh, godparents to my children. Uh, still a Bradford City fan. The them and United are the first two results I look for. And um, Which one first? Uh, well, I go for the sexier one. I look at, look at United's result. <laughs> and then see how Bradford have got on at Mansfield away or somewhere, <laughs> somewhere. but Spark is manager there now and yeah, they're on the verge of the playoffs so hopefully they can, they can make the playoffs and, and have a good run at promotion this year. Did you go there as a child? Not Obviously I know you played there but did you go to matches when you were what five, six years old? Yeah, we're a big sporting family and Every weekend we watched football on a Saturday, cricket on a Sunday and yeah, season ticket holder for three years. So I had, uh, I was at the other end of Scorsese's volley. I think the, the following year, Sheringham might have scored after a Gary Walsh mistake. And yeah, United always come come and beat Bradford, but uh, the town really had a buzz around it when United were in town. And, and, and yeah, they were real good memories. I remember going to Molyneux and watching Bradford get promoted, so... Um, yeah, some real highlights and good experiences of being a fan. Who were your heroes? Peter Beagrey, 
uh, Stuart McCall, who went on to be manager, they were sort of Dean Windass. Dean Windass, yeah, yeah. They were sort of the heroes of, of my era as a fan. David Weatherall centre Yeah, David Weatherall yeah. scored against the win against Liverpool to keep Bradford up, 99, I think. So, yeah. How yeah. did you get into football? Did your dad play football? Or uh, my dad was. Do you have any brothers? Cricketer, no. Sisters now? No, I'm lonely child, own. yeah. Um, sporting family, mum was swimmer, uh, county level. My dad was cricketer at a decent local level. Um, but yeah, just started going Saturday just, mornings. Yeah. And, and yeah, I had, had an eye for it, played it. I was a proper outdoors childhood. Um, I had a great road for, for people wanting to play football and just played outdoors all, all day, really. And, um, Did and you play cricket as well? Yeah, yeah, I played cricket at didn't school all, that. all the way till. You wouldn't be like a Phil Neville, would you? No, I, you I have was, to decide. No, I was no. never that good at cricket, but I enjoyed it and still do. Don't play, but like watching the cricket. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, played got scouted for Bradford City about eight years old. Do you remember who scouted you or what the process was? Uh, it was a guy called Mickey Driver. Um, he was my first... It's a great name. Coach. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> Sticks. <laughs> um, great coach. And, yeah, trained at Skullmore, AstroTurf. Would you have been playing for a school team or yeah, a club for team? Lo local teams, yeah. Mm -hmm. They were called Ecclesville United. And my manager from there still comes to my games about four times a year. Oh, so that's lovely. That's a nice connection. Does he critique you after the games? <laughs> no, but he, he, he keeps asking me how I'm doing, even through the injury. And... Yeah, top man Neil, and yeah, so eight from eleven was Bradford City, and then eleven was the summer that I went on trial to Blackburn, and United came calling. So how does that process work if you're eleven years old and you're playing for Bradford, which is your team anyway? Yeah, obviously the the North is quite small when it comes to football teams because there's loads everywhere. Yeah. What is the process for you as an 11-year-old? Obviously, your parents would have been heavily involved in that, or is it just a case of, oh, they're interested, just keep turning up to places, and for you, it's just a laugh? Yeah, I think your parents are massively involved in that dis decision. But at, at the time, it was School of Excellence and Academies. So if you're playing for a School of Excellence at Bradford, the goal is to get to an academy. And round ours, there were Leeds, uh, Blackburn, Man United. I had interest off all three. And then I went to play a game at Ewood Park, really enjoyed it. And then, uh, yeah, we, I think we went on holiday in the summer as a family, came back to a, a proper old school-like voicemail on, on your house <laughs> phone. I think it was from Derek Langley. And then, yeah, it's, I think my dad took the decision that yeah, Man United and yeah, that, that's the team that you've got a six-week trial at the time. And yeah, that, that so you've been 11, 12 then? 11, yeah, going, going into... Uh, 12 in the August, yeah, I think it was about July time, I was 12 in the August. Who did your dad support? Dad's Forest, yeah. Right. Yeah, so he, he grew up in Nottingham, so he's Forest, yeah, we didn't, as a family, we didn't really have a connection uh, mm. to United. Did you watch United though? Yeah, Obviously you I, I, appreciated not, players I'm a, I'm in the team. I'm not just saying it because this is a United podcast, I'm a Bradford City fan uh, growing up, but I always watched them United-Arsenal games at Highbury and and they were the games where I thought I could never even imagine myself playing Premier League. I thought that was the elite. It was yeah. like, I'm gutted I never got to play at Highbury, to be fair. Look, th them games, I just thought, they proper, proper grips me. Mm. Um, you did have a game, obviously, a, a particularly famous game against Arsenal that I guess didn't quite fit the billing for the sort of the drama and the fight because you just cruised at 8-2. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that was one of my massive highlights. And yeah, 
if you if you'd have told me watching them hybrid games, I'd play in a team that beat Arsenal eight two. I wouldn't have believed you, especially then. But yeah, going back to it, I always had a soft spot for United. I remember watching the final in '99 and sulking at one 0 down, and actually coming back from my bedroom sulking to my dad saying it's one all, and I sort of had an interest again. And um, so United were always always my the team that I at the top end of things that I, yeah. I looked out for. At this point, and you're you're in the academies and school of excellence and stuff. What position are you playing? I'm a midfielder. That worked all the way throughout my journey. Obviously, Paul McGuinness put me back to fullback in the youth teams um, and then back into midfield in the reserve team. But yeah, I've always been uh, a midfielder apart from those two or three years I had at fullback. Who, obviously, you mentioned Paul McGuinness there, but he would have been an older age group. When you come in at 11, 12, who were your coaches then? Mark Dempsey. Uh, Mark Edwards but Paul was academy director with Tony yeah. Whelan so Paul had a, a massive influence all the way through really Paul was the one I, I always wanted to impress um, so and then uh, he became youth team manager when I was in that system and um, I'd say yeah look, he's probably had the biggest foundations on my career of, of anyone Paul mm -hmm. Who were the players in your year then? Yeah, so me and Craig have come full circle yeah. back here. Craig Cathcart, um, yeah. We even had Welbs back full circle. Yeah. <laughs> um, Danny should have done a double podcast with you and Craig. Why <laughs> yeah, did we not think that through? He struggled to get any media out of Craig. <laughs> 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 we had a good youth team. We had Drinkwater, James Chester, uh, Welbs playing up, Cathcart, Corey Evans. And yeah, to have six or seven who play yeah. championship and above in yeah, yeah. one youth team is quite rare. As a, as a group, are you still close to not just the names that you've mentioned, but the players that maybe didn't make it that far in their career? I still speak to Fabian Brandy uh, now and again on Instagram with people like Sam Hewson. Those two were the best players in our youth team, actually. And Sam's had a career in Iceland. Fabian retired early. But yeah, I think with social media, you sort of see what other people are doing. Um, who were from your youth team, but uh, still see James Chester now and again, and always and Danny good. obviously, see that. yeah, Danny Welbeck, I'm massively in, in touch with, yeah. And there's no escaping Craig. No, <laughs> no, Craig's actually changed, had a character transplant since youth team days. He was the most stubborn, honestly, player ever. And when I came back here five years ago, I was thinking this this isn't the Craig Kafka I know. He's like the joker of the dressing room. Life and soul of it. So yeah, he's uh, he's changed since some days. So when you mention those players that you've just mentioned there, obviously that you're talking about in your youth team, but at 11 or 12, were they with you in that setup as well? Welbs was in the setup, but a couple of years younger. Craig obviously didn't um, start coming over till 15, 16. Um, Fabian Brandy was, Sam Hewson was, and I think that's about it. I think all the rest were re released on the way. Drinky might have been as well. He was year year below. James Chester was. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, he, he ended up having a good career. Just uh, when you mention all those names, it just really rings home the pedigree that the Manchester United Academy bring through. There's players in every game I watch that I've played with or been a couple of years older, a couple of years younger. You mm -hmm. see Tom Eaton that's still yeah. playing for United. People like PK and yeah. I mean, you're never far away. If, every game, you're never far away for someone who's been in United's academy. Even managers Brilliant. now keep popping mm -hmm. up. What's it like being the person that keeps surviving year on year and year and year and is and stays through it? Yeah, it was difficult for me to be honest. I was always the smallest in in the age groups, and being an August birthday as well, it, it wasn't easy. Um, but 
Paul and Demps and people like that, they always, I think, saw the technical side and, and the game intelligence. Uh, even if I was a bit slower than the rest or a bit weaker, they, they stood by me. And uh, even in the 16s, 17s, I, pl I played down here sometimes, which isn't the thing, but I think they did it with Jesse as well and maybe Danny Simpson. And, and yeah, I'm happy that they, they saw that I probably needed that. I was physically not as developed as the others. But yeah, thanks to Paul that he he saw that and and I was probably surviving through the skin of my teeth for, for new deals and new deals and it wasn't till 17, 18 I started to really excel. When did you actually realise that then you was going to get a pro contract? Uh, I think the Youth Cup run is always the... Benchmark. The, yeah, the yeah. benchmark of any youth team. It's the games that the first team come to, the gaffer. It's the closest thing you'll get to a first team match yeah. as a youth team player. Um, we had a great youth cup run. Um, uh, I was playing as a fullback. I play, actually played as a left back, and um, and I think after that, I thought, yeah, I've I've got a good chance of of signing professional contracts. Uh, and that time came when was y'all lined up outside the gaffer's yeah, office. Yeah, yeah, and people can't believe it when I say it. It's, <laughs> you don't, there's no agents in this process. No. There's, there's the boss. Did you have any inkling of any of the seniors? To say, uh, listen, you'll be all right. Yeah, or... Gary Neville was great with it. Yeah. He'd, he'd, he'd come to you after and say, what's he offered you? And he'd let you know if he was That's a good, bit, a bit under what you, what you should be. But we were all there or thereabouts, barring yeah. Fabian Brandy, who's standout. Mm -hmm. we, everyone knew he's got an Adidas contract and <laughs> and all this. But yeah, we were, it was a pretty template contract that yeah. we all got offered. And, and, and from there, yeah, it was dream come true. Would you say the Youth Cup would have been the highlight of your whole academy experience? Or lots of ex-players have told us about, you know, they went to Dallas, Milk Cup, all the tournaments. What would be the standout moment for you in that process? Yeah, um, we played, uh, I think it was the first year the Emirates was open and we played semi-final away at Arsenal and there was 38,000 there. And as a youth team player, you're thinking, God, oh, yes, this is this is what it's as like. close to the first team as you can yeah. be. Um, Nervous? Yeah, yeah, I was actually, but I really believed in our team. We had a really good team. Yeah. Played against Kuhl and Alonso in midfield for Liverpool in a resi game at Warrington. I was nervous for that. But yeah, standout was that semi Youth Cup semi-final against Arsenal. Did Sir Alex come and talk to you all as a team before the semi-final or final? Not that I can remember, but it's just we knew his presence of him being there. Mm -hmm. It was, yeah, it's this is your time to impress and it won't be rare that if someone had a good youth cup game um, they'd be training with the first team the next yeah. week yeah. and that's how important those games were it wasn't your Saturday morning academy football where the performance mattered more than result it was the, the youth cup games where the result was mm -hmm. was everything Do you remember when you first found yourself on Sir Alex's radar? Um, yeah I mean in, in them contract nego negotiations um, Do you just go in and go yeah I'll have that? Yeah yeah, I remember he had the, um, I remember always in, from his office, he had the picture of the, the 11 is yeah, it builders yeah, yeah. on the, on the crane. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I can always remember that. And um, yeah, he used to be proper nervous going to, into his office. <laughs> and and yeah, it was basically, yeah. Did Gaz right. go in with you? No, he didn't go in no. with you, but he'd, he'd say, after, after if you wanted to approach Gaz and say, listen, yeah, he's yeah. offered me this, so... Um, he was op open to go in and speak to the How gaffer. important was the, that father figure is not so much the gaffer, but, you know, Gaz or Skulls? Or yeah, brilliant. I mean, I think I've, I've only started appreciating it the last two or three years when I'm trying to be old. that figure yeah. to our young players. And it doesn't go in as much as it used to. 
with us or maybe we don't have the same impact because we're, we're not one seven eight Premier League but guys skulls here gigs here carers yeah. people like that they, why do you think that is? I think just society's changing really yeah. the respect for your elders thing is, is certainly going out of, of football but yeah with the old lads were sitting at breakfast saying we have to we have to install summer like yeah so we try we try our best and um, must be getting more difficult though because back then you were all together really weren't you you were only yeah. like a football pitch away but now football's developed so much that youth teams are very often far from the first team yeah there's that and and also i think young players are the biggest assets of football clubs now mm. and i think yeah. a lot of the times they know that so it's it's yeah. <laughs> it's hard work when uh, yeah they are the most important play- people at a mm. football club but they'll never they'll never be bigger than cultures of football clubs and and I feel like we had the best in them years and and Rio schools those people I just named yeah. were key in in bringing that mm. along with the manager. How difficult is it when you clearly respect those people so much and you're having what are quite personal and intimate conversations with someone like Gary Neville about your contract situation and things. And then you're having to argue with him and maybe tackle him and stuff in training. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a bit of a weird dynamic, in it, for football clubs? Y- your teammate is your first opponent for your position. Yeah. So it's, there's not many industries that that happens. Um, but I just remember training with Skulls and just think, being jealous of how good he was. Like, I'm <laughs> competing with this guy who doesn't misplace or miss it one ball. And yeah, it does wind you up some days. <laughs> you think, how am I going to get in this team? I mentioned it to you earlier on off, off camera about I was with Scalzi this morning and I said I was coming down to do do a podcast with you and he actually said you was a top top player you should have done better yeah I, I will I'm not shy to admit that the, the season the under Moyes mm-hmm. scarred me a lot and yeah. I'm not saying anything bad about no, Moyes no. I thought he was a great foot, football manager but that season 13-14 mentally scarred me um, lost confidence and yeah, I, th- I think when it sort of scars you for a few years and you start to doubt yourself and, and, and things like that. So How old you would have been then? I was... 21, 22 uh, would have been? 13, no, a bit older, 24. 24. 23, In what way, what do you mean it scarred you? I think on a football pitch, as you'll say, you need to be instinctive in everything you mm-hmm. do. So if you're second thinking ev- every decision you make, you just you become half the player you, you yeah. should be. And, and I was doing that for a season. Um, and then went on to teams like Villa and great football clubs, but scrapping at the wrong end of the table. And you sort of just more of a work work player there, mm-hmm. brings energy to the team. And mm. the type of player I am, it's hard to excel in, in them struggling teams. So, although I'm really proud to represent them, it, it was difficult for me to really get my full potential out. Mm-hmm. What's that second guessing because of outside influences? Yeah, yeah, I mean... It was always my uh, my dream to play for Man United, and and at the time, a, a young lad from Bradford, I felt like a failure doing it, and it's a bit of a crazy way to think playing for United in England. But at the time, I was playing poorly, and and it was really the start of social media yeah. being toxic, and yeah, I found it hard to deal with, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I didn't help myself at times. People sort of got probably got the wrong impression of of me sometimes. When I first burst on the on the scene, I had this haircut and things that you you take a period of time finding yourself, and and I'd not quite done that until I was in my mid twenties. Yeah, you're growing up 
in a very difficult position. Lots of people get bought by Manchester United and they're like 25, 26. They've been through that process somewhere else, not so much in the public eye. But when you come through at Manchester United, would you argue that that's more difficult or that made it more difficult for you? Uh, It's a good question. Um, Thanks, Tom. Because I think it's very hard to be a mid-table team's best player, um, which I, I, if I grew up at, let's say, a Leicester, I don't, I don't think I would have been the James Madison who gets bought from someone. So I, I'm lucky to have been in, in the system, but then, yeah, I do think you, you, the quicker to jump on you if, you, if you're yeah. a local lad. You're under the spotlight as well, though, isn't it? Yeah. As you said, you're playing at Villa or you're playing here at Watford. You're not under the spotlight so much as because yeah. it's Man United. Yeah, I every mean, the whole world's looking yeah, at you. Yeah, like draws are bad results. Yeah. most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you say, social media was only really beginning, and it gets toxic like that one game. Yeah, and people jump on you. Did you find that hard to deal with because you'd never had that as a yeah. youth team player? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was just a, it was a perfect storm. Really, the manager left, David Gill left. All our most important players were getting to the mid thirties, uh, and we didn't just go from first to fourth we went from first to seventh and yeah rightly so we took criticism and yeah me fell a bit more than others and um yeah I don't disagree with that but it was hard to deal with was it something you were ever able to speak to anybody about at the time whether it be teammates or people outside of football yeah I spoke to a couple of people outside of football uh, a guy called Steve Peters who you might have heard of he's mm. worked with Ronnie O'Sullivan and I saw him again in the national team a few years later just try and sort of flick that mindset to not second thinking everything but it was a lot easier said than done and yeah I didn't manage to quite get that form back of 2013 uh, 2012-13 season I think you're being hard on yourself there as well though because you know people talk about players who come through the academy and they're really proud of those players but maybe you just didn't feel that at the time but in hindsight, do you feel that now? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Fletch sent me a picture the other day of the side of the... Yeah, no, it's amazing, isn't it? To see me, Welbs, Fletch on there, honestly, it's really proud. Really, yeah. really proud. Um, so, yeah, I feel... I feel like I, I didn't fall out of love with the club, but I didn't have that... I really want United to win every week after the f- three or four years after I left. But that love for the club certainly come back now. Mm. And uh, I even went to a Palace game the other week just as a, as a supporter and just enjoying the football they're playing at the minute though um, enjoying the players they've got and, and the manager and yeah I wanted to see it I just want to jump on something that we mentioned a few moments ago when you said you were really proud and you got a picture from Darren Fletcher it's the graphic on the academy building right that's right so, yeah. so just for those that are listening that yeah. won't have been to Carrington and have seen it it's just a huge mural of players that have come through yeah. the academy and yeah. obviously you're up there I sent it straight to my mum because the amount of trips she did from Bradford to Manchester and then to see me on the side of the building I, yeah. I thought that's nice so a bit of reward for her I'll have to take a trip back and, and have a look what about um, I often ask this question to players did having children change your perspective a little bit because your focus is not just on football yeah I think it's an important balance for players to be honest and that's where I think you have got to be quite selfish because it does, it can sort of knock your preparation out of. Um, I don't think it changed my mindset of there's bigger things in life than just football. I think my career is always the most. Yeah. <laughs> it's so important to me. Like it, it affects my mood the whole week, yeah. and that's just the way it is. It's installed into you. But 
I think uh, having children certainly sort of knocks your preparation out of sync and that's where our families have to be understanding and and mm. uh, we, we as players have to be selfish. I like that you gestured towards Helen there. Be understanding, <laughs> Helen. Very understanding. <laughs> Which team does Albie support? Or will you be bringing he's him not, up to support? He's not picked as of mm, yet. Too um, soon. He keeps mentioning, you know, he's got a soft, all his mates at school are Tottenham or Arsenal down here. Disappointing. And his son, <laughs> son's his favourite player, so I can't Need to get him, him back up to that academy building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look who that is on the building. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about why you're on that building. It's not just because you came from the academy, but it's everything that happened afterwards. Tell us all about your debut. Charity Shield 2011. And yeah, it, I actually had a quite a long conversation with the boss the year before, because I thought after my loan here, 2009-10, I thought I was ready to, to come back and at least be a, a fringe player. And he said, no, one more year, uh, but a Premier League loan. So that year I went to Wigan, it was between Wigan and Bolton and, and he said, no, Martinez plays good style of football for you. So I went to Wigan and the team, I loved it, but the team won the league and I thought, oh God, that could have been my first medal. Yeah. Um, so I came back that, that summer, I had a really good pre-season and, uh, and came on at half-time, 2-0 down to City and won the game 3-2. So it was dream stuff and literally a couple of days later, got a call off Capello and my life changed, changed. overnight, yeah. So what year was that, sorry? I think it was 2011 Community Shield. So three years before that, in 2008, though, you went on your first tour. That was your first probably real action of the first team, would it have been? Maybe you trained with the first team. Sometimes people yeah. get brought in for the boxes. I sound like I know what I'm talking about, the old boxes and the young boxes. <laughs> yeah. So many people have talked about them on this podcast, haven't they? But going on tour probably was your first real big first team experience. Would that be fair? Yeah. Um, yeah, you saw after that tour, you sort of think, is he looking at me in the street? Because yeah. he because he recognises me. Um, <laughs> but it was a strange one, actually. I think it was me and Craig. We got called up to the tour halfway through it. Uh, I think something happened with Wes, uh, family issue, and someone else got injured. So two players came back. Me and Craig got flew to South Africa, um, played a couple of games there, one in Nigeria on the way back. And yeah, it was a great experience. Scored on my debut, pre-season debut against Kaiser Chiefs. And... And yeah, that's when all surreal. the Manchester United fan base start to talk about you because they watch those games, don't they? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you always talk games. about that. Yeah. Did you meet Nelson Mandela then, or did you no, miss that part? We, oh. we missed that part. Yeah. What did your family think though of you going on tour? They must have been really excited. Yeah, I mean, um, it was my first taste of it, and maybe a little glimpse of what sign of things to come. But I, I still knew I was quite a long way from uh, first team football, and I still had two or three loan moves before mm -hmm. I came back and w was a regular. What was your view on going for loan moves? Was it something you were excited about and wanted to do? Yeah. Because from the outside, I always looked at loans as being like, oh, well, they're not in the plans. But obviously from the inside, that's not how it works at all, is it? Yeah, especially not these big clubs, like where the signing plays for 30, 40 million. As a young player, it's really hard to do. As Welbeck had a couple, but he, he featured in the first team at 17 and that's almost unheard of. Mm. Um, so I loved it. I loved moving into Diggs at 16. I loved going to Leicester at 18. I liked living away from home and being... At the, my first law move at Leicester was like Paul Dickoff, Barry Ailes, Steve Howard. Like, I loved it. The first night, actually, my key card didn't work at Leicester. I've gone back down to reception 
come back up, bag's gone. I thought, what's, this, what's going on here? What, you couldn't call it, first night away from home. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, this guy comes out of the smoke out of this next room, Paul Dickoff, is right around me. <laughs> 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 so I thought, yeah, it's, it's a nice introduction into men's football. <laughs> well, every, every low move. Did you find the, 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 the actual move from playing in the resis to the first team difficult or...? Yeah, I mean... It's it's so different. I can't tell you how different it is. Not only you crowds, can. but <laughs> uh, the point, the points are everything. Yeah, and exactly, like, yeah. Especially in League One, lads are like fighting for win bonuses. Mm-hmm. I played right back in the last 10 minutes for one of my first games for Leicester and I had the Huddersfield winger shouting, play on him. And I thought, you know what I mean? Yeah, That's yeah, like, yeah. one of the worst shouts yeah. you can hear as yeah. a kid. Yeah. Play on him. And it really turned you into a man quick. Yeah. You got promoted as well. There, yeah. didn't you, on the loan? Yeah, dream blow move going here in January, 10 points clear. <laughs> 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 Thanks for that one, Gaffer. Um, yeah, and, and then came down here, absolutely loved it. One player of the season that, that year here, even though we were bottom half of the, um, sorry, mid, midway of the bottom half, we were never fighting for prom- promotion or playoffs, but absolutely loved it. A player called Danny Graham took me under his wing, so I, I had a good year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was was Bradford never an opportunity? No, I've, I'm gutted that I've never actually played at Valley Parade in, in any competitive game. Um, so Does it know that you've got three months left on your contract? <laughs> um, Would you make that move? Uh, Would you want to play for him before you finished? Yeah, I'd be yeah. nice. Or certainly, I've got big aspirations of going into coaching, and yeah, it's one of the... Uh, one of the jobs that I would never be able to turn down. Sparky. He <laughs> <laughs> <You> listens. <laughs> one of my pals is actually on his staff there. So mm. um, Somebody you played with? Uh, no, just a pal from back home. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So we're finished trying to be agents for 30 seconds. Shall we get back to yeah. the podcast? <laughs> um, when you finally found out you were going to start in the community, were you going to play in the Community Shield? Is that when you thought, I'm staying now, I'm going to be part of this first team. Yeah, I mean, especially after that uh, performance, I think we'd played Barcelona in pre-season, I had a really good game. Um, Which Sir Alex gave you loads of praise for. Yeah, I set up the winner for Michael Owen, I think, that game. And uh, Who was in the Barca team then? Um, Who was you against? Iniesta played, Messi didn't play, which I've never played against him, I was a bit gutted about. Yeah. I can't actually remember their team, yeah, yeah. I just remember getting Iniesta's shirt. Yeah, yeah. And I had a really good game in what was a big game there. It was a big crowd, big game. And then I thought after that, the the boss thought he could trust me. And after the Community Shield, I definitely thought there's no chance I can go back out on loan here. And started the first first game of the season at at West Brom. What kind of confidence did that give you? And and, and what kind of self belief did that give you? Because obviously, it wasn't that long ago you were telling us you were looking at Paul Skulls thinking, well, if that's the standard, this is impossible. Yeah, yeah, it was massive, and and surrounded by all those top players, you you felt you, going into every game, you felt you were gonna gonna beat them. They they're intimidated, intimidated by us, especially at Old Trafford, and it's it's a formality that the boss's thing was just concentration. As long as you concentrate as a young player, we'll we'll win this mm-hmm. game. Um, and the, yeah, it felt like that going into every game. And you had Michael Carrick and Paul Scholes always there yeah. beside you. Yeah. They were really educating you all the time. Yeah, I mean, as a young midfielder, you can't learn off two better players than that. I mean, for me, Carrick still doesn't get the praise that he should as one of England's 
certainly of this generation, best best midfielders, absolutely fantastic player. And yeah, and Ando as well was in decent form at the time. And yeah, it was really hard to get in that team, but um, learning from them every day. And uh, I think going into a team, just being absolutely fearless, it was the be best, uh, best feeling mm -hmm. I've had as a footballer. Yeah. It's sort of remarkable when you talk about those players and how talented the squad was at that time, specifically in central midfield. And you talk about Michael Carrick not getting the recognition that he deserves. Do you think that might also be true for you? Because if you were playing in that team, you were good enough to be playing in that team. Yeah, but I think you talk about careers like Carra's because it lasts 10 years. My my best year was a good year, but it only lasted one year. I mean, to, to keep that success, drive, desire for over 10, 15 years, people like this, you just, you can't speak highly enough of them to, to deal with dips in form and disappointments and just to keep coming back. And they're not only the best ability-wise, they're the best mentality. And, uh, I think they, you've been a bit harsh on yourself there, mate, because I, I honestly think that had the gaffer had stayed a, a couple of years more, I don't think you'd have felt the way you felt. Yeah. That change changed everything at United. David Moyes coming in, all the backroom staff getting changed. Yeah. And, you know, there's no continuity in what you was because, you know, you just come into the team, so you wanted that continuity and it stopped. I think I had the gaffer still been there, he'd have put his arm around you and gone, listen, leaving you out this game yeah, or whatever I, it was. I, I think that that's the one thing maybe and I'll never speak bad about David Moyes like I said no um, but I think I, just, I kept playing and there's even times where I was thinking I, sh I shouldn't be yeah, playing yeah, here yeah. and I think the manager would have took uh, Sir Alex would have took, side, took yeah. me out of the firing line yeah. get six weeks out of the team get your head back yeah. get your form back get fit um, and then sort of reset I just never had to do, no. never had that. I was thinking, God, next week, City, I'm in low in confidence. We're playing terrible. We got beat 3 0 at all. But that was the same for everybody in the team, though, yeah, wasn't it? So, yeah, it was, yeah. And, and you know, where I'd probably not earned my stripes enough yet, I was one of the first ones. To, and because to, you're to a take, young pup as well. Yeah. It's a, the fans are great with young players who come yeah. through because there's a buzz and is, yeah. it's one of their own. And we're, we're the same here at Watford, but. Um, I think when it does turn bad over a spell of six months, a year, and you've not earned your stripes mm -hmm. like your Van Persies and people like yeah. that, it, it can turn pretty bad against you quick. And then, of course, you've got the pressure as well that people are talking about you in England as well. Like I remember doing an interview with David Beckham. It must have been like 2013, 14. And he mentioned you. I don't know whether you remember that interview, but he mentioned you as a standout player. So people were talking about you for England as well. So it added that extra pressure. Did you enjoy those England setups though? Yeah, I did, yeah. I'll always say I never got more nervous than games at Wembley. I, I don't know why. I don't know if it was childhood or Yeah, growing or up watching the World Cup. Yeah, I got Euros. really nervous. I never got nervous for games really, but Wembley games for England, uh, always got nervous and I think didn't really show my best stuff in an England game, certainly not at home. But yeah, 13, 13 caps, something I'm massively proud about. Yeah. Absolutely. Also a Premier League winner's medal. Yeah. What was that season like? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, buying a new house down here and in the games room, I'm going to put five or six pictures and the scaffold reds will be one of those pictures. You know, the famous picture where yeah. we're on the open top bus. It's just a surreal year with 
some of my closest pals in football. What, yeah. At what point in the season? Because obviously the season before, City had won it with Aguero's last minute winner. Yeah. What was that like for you? Yeah. And, and I, what was that like in the squad and Sir Alex and that whole... Because yeah. obviously all of that led to what followed. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that season. So that season we played some great stuff the year before. Um, so we'd come in having beaten someone 3-4-0 and the manager would be angry as anything saying 7-8 it's one of these years it'll come down to goal difference and I remember I didn't get angry at the stadium like that day he just said I told you oh that's so painful yeah <laughs> he just said I told you and like as a young player at the time I was thinking I'm at biggest club in the world trophies uh, there'll be trophy come. opportunities all the time yeah. which the end up in the end there wasn't but the next year I think was a backlash from that season the perform we were just ruthless and even when we played poorly Robin scored from somewhere and yeah uh, the manager just kept on even we were 10 points clear for most of the season remember we got beaten the derby at home the manager gave us a rocket the next day at Carrington because he thought people were taking the foot off the gas and then we got the job done in the end uh, beating Villa that night and that, that was a good night you mentioned <laughs> Robin scoring from anywhere even when you're not playing well What's it like when you're a player surrounded by world-class players and coming through the academy, you've seen world-class players every day and then someone like Roman Van Persie comes in and can still have that unbelievable impact? Yeah, it's a difference. Your Rooney's, your Robins, people like that, they, they turn nine, ten draws a season into wins and that, that's 20 points. Mm. It's, it's the, the difference, the, the reason why they're the superstars are on bedroom walls and it's, yeah, it's something that, that wins your football matches and wins your trophies and Robin that was that guy that season. And I suppose you really felt part of the squad then because you weren't, you know, the young player just coming in, you've been in a couple of years. Did that make a difference to you, feeling like really part of that squad that won a medal? Yeah, definitely. Um, I felt like I played my part. I wasn't just a, yeah. a bench player all season and getting a token gesture medal I, I felt like I deserved it and um, I had from the season before where I was playing really good football and got injured at Bolton from that Kevin Davis tackle yeah I felt like it was a little bit of um, sort of getting the job done like the year after was nice and I went into the next season even though the manager left with full of confidence I think we beat Swansea first day of the season we won the Community Shield again beat Swansea and I thought this is what this is just going to be the same yeah. normal service resumed mm. and then the fixture list wasn't good to us we played Chelsea at home Liverpool away second and third game of the season played poorly at Anfield and then we never really got any sort of momentum back that, that season I'm going to take us back just a little bit because I want to talk to you more about Sir Alex I want to ask you about your relationship with him but before that because I don't think I've ever heard anybody say this before when we lost to when we beat Sunderland but lost the league I've never heard anybody say he said in the changing room, I knew it, and had spoken about it being goal difference. Yeah, I, I, I remember, I, I don't remember the teams we beat at Old Trafford, but it, there would be some wins where he would be really angry that we weren't clinical enough. And he, he chipped away, one, one of these years it's going to come to goal difference. And, uh, and he was right all along. And I mentioned that in the dressing room at Stadium Alight. It wasn't a, a, an, an aggressive talk between the players and the manager or anything. It was just sort of... Yeah, the reality of, the what, reality could of be. what what just happened and and yeah we sort of let out. we didn't lose it on that day we lost we lost it not being clinical enough throughout the season. What was your relationship with him like, and when did you get your first hairdryer? Um, one and only, by the way. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I learned from that. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, no, good relationship. Like I said, it started with those early professional contract negotiations. And yeah, I was definitely scared of him. Um, I don't think that fear ever went. Because me and Welbs went on the same journey. Welbs had sort of, he was a bit more relaxed with him, Welbs. And I always thought, how's he so laid back on the <laughs> Um But when I was, a li- I was a little bit more uptight. But yes, fantastic manager. And to run a big club like it did is unbelievably impressive. And the one and only was Chelsea, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I was getting on to, yeah. <laughs> Chelsea, uh, FA Cup replay. I think I played left midfield. Wasn't my position. And... So I said that at half time and <laughs> You said that to him? Yeah, he's saying you've not touched the ball or and I was saying that's the thing I said, I'm out out of position boss and so I said you're lucky you're lucky to be playing for this club at all. So <laughs> yeah, I got a rocket and yeah. Do you get to go? Last uh, oh, after about fifteen minutes of second, second half, half, yeah. And never ever again. Probably got a bit too confident for me on boots. <laughs> I love that. So when you talk about your time, obviously winning the Premier League has got to be the highlight. What other highlights do you have? I know you've mentioned the 8-2 against Arsenal. What other yeah, ones? start of that season was unbelievable. I think we went uh, West Brom, 3-0 Tottenham, 8-2 Arsenal, 5-0 Bolton. I just thought, this is unbelievable. I've come from Wigan on loan, scrapping, fight, mm. staying up on the last day. So just wiping aside anyone who's in front of us. That was definitely a period of of my life that I absolutely loved um, yeah the C- Community Shield debut the Ameri- I loved the America tours they mm. were always really good uh, experiences to see the, the size of the club worldwide really touring some of the best cities in the world uh, Is it just people turning up that makes you become aware of that or is are there moments and things that you can see on those tours that you can't see elsewhere? Obviously the, yeah the, the volume of people that follow the club every city you go to it's a sell out and yeah, I think you see in later years when Liverpool plays City or Arsenal plays City and these the stadiums just start full. Um, so the draw of United and you go to places like Japan and see Shinji Kagawa's reception and it's just like, this, this is insane. One moment that I imagine was great for you was your goal against Newcastle. Was it on purpose? No. It was a cross. <laughs> yeah. oh, I've got I've got yeah. this now. I? Yeah, I was looking for Robin. It was one of them things, you're told to hit the back post as a cross. So I'm not saying it's lucky it went in because I hit the back post. But I was trying to find Robin's head and not, not the top corner. The, I remember talking about it with my little brother at the time. And we were like, he's not, he's not meant that. He can't have meant that. Because it's like, it's so perfect. Yeah. And uh, the argument we concluded was you must have meant it because the seller, you didn't seem surprised at all. And you celebrated it like you meant it. Yeah, no, it was... Yeah, lucky. Yeah, it was a hundred percent. Yeah, it was a good bad one. Uh, what was it like to score at Old Trafford? Yeah, it took me a, bit, a little bit of time actually. I think it was League Cup against Newcastle, and the manager actually had a pop at me for my standard of finishing at half time, and went out the second half and scored. So Stratford end, fantastic feeling. I mean, I'd done it in pre-season games, but to get it off your back in in competitive football was was brilliant. Um, didn't happen to me too many times, but. Yeah, going through the journey from 12 years old in the academy to scoring at Stretford End is, is sort of a benchmark moment. And then came the time when you went out on loan again. Yep. That was too Villa. Did you feel like that was quite unusual? Obviously, you'd been out on loan before, but you'd then been in the first team to go out again. Yeah, what was your I feelings mean, at the time? It was, it was one of them strange things, really, where my form was bad in that se- the season before and the club couldn't really be seen to be giving me a new contract. But... 
they didn't really want to let one of their young players' contract expire. So it was it was a tough one for the club. And I think PR-wise, they just couldn't be seen to be giving me a new contract. Louis van Gaal came in and said, we're signing, I think, Schneiderlin and Blind. And he was, he was great with me. He was honest. He gave me my chance in pre-season. He was honest with me. He says, you, you'll be limited chances. I said, right, I, I'm off. Uh, so I went to Villa on loan. Is that a tough decision to make when he comes in and just says, listen, you're not going to be part of it? And then you think, right, that's it. Yeah, I mean, there's always that thing in the back of your mind where you, I could stay around as a fringe player, pick up the trophy, an yeah. odd trophy here and there. And players have done it and, be, and done really well for the club. Right? But it just at the time of my career, it wasn't the right thing for me to do. Mm. I wanted to be playing every, every week. And yeah, I was lucky to go to Villa, a fantastic football club, and really, really enjoyed it. You had a good win. cup run there too. Yeah, FA Cup final. Um, uh, my aggregate in cup finals I've got <laughs> 10, 10 nil in two games but I just tell my son I've played in two cup finals um, but yeah that cup run really did give us a boost that year and it, I think it helped us stay up because it gave the club a feel factor feel good factor and we were we looked doomed at one point to go down and, and I think along with the cup run it, it gave us enough wins to stay up when you moved to Villa obviously it was a loan you've talked about the club's decision as to why maybe they didn't want to sell you and your conversations with Lou van Gaal did you think this is me leaving United? Yeah, I, I realised I've gone out on loan. They're not going to renew my contract. So so that was it. Um, I mean, your focus changes to Aston Villa, but when you get a little bit of time to think, you think, God, oh, the journey has come to me. And I was 24 years old. I'd spent half my life at one club. Sad day that, it, that it's all come to an end. But um, I've always had, I don't think my business with the club is is finished. I'd obviously not in a playing capacity but I'm passionate about developing young players and one day being a manager and, and yeah like I dreamt of being a Man United player I dream of being a Man United manager So obviously you, you said you knew you were going to be leaving United and you went to Villa Yeah, but that was alone but the permanent switch eventually came to Everton Yeah, why was it that you didn't stay at Villa and did you have to go back to like Carrington pick up some stuff and say your goodbyes or was it all how does that work? Yeah so long story short I, I'd worked with Martinez before I wanted to go to Everton and I think there'd been a bit of bad blood between the two clubs and Ed Woodward said, no, you're going to Villa on a permanent. And I said, I'm not too sure about it. I'll go there on loan. So I went there on loan, signing the paperwork near midnight. Welbeck was going to Arsenal, I think, and it sort of felt at the end of a journey for both of us at the same time. Falcao was at the training ground coming in and and then, yeah, I'd sort of left Carrington thinking that could be the last time, so... Yeah. Emotional? Yeah, it was a little yeah. bit, yeah. Um, like I said, it, when the academy are on site as well, so yeah. the amount of I, uh, hours I've spent at that place to, to for that to be my last, it was a bit of a whirlwind. But your your attention quickly turns to, right, I've got to go impress at Aston Villa now. And uh, Kino was the, the assistant there. And, and yes, yeah, you don't really have much time to dwell on the fact that the journey of United's come to an end. So you came back from Villa but didn't actually return to Carrington before going to Everton permanently? Yeah, uh, the reason being uh, Villa, we got to the FA Cup final, which is the last game of the season. So I remember, I think I, may, I might have gone away with England, then got married and just didn't get didn't get round to going back to Carrington and saying all oh, my goodbyes. So yeah, it wasn't like the fairy tale ending to, 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 the, to the dream story I had or the, the dream journey, but... Like I said, I'd, I'd love to, to come back to the club in some capacity in, in the future. And yeah, I really feel like my journey's not 
ended there. So this podcast very much finishes with a watch this space. Yeah. Is it first team management that you want to do or, or no, coaching? I understand like as a player, you've got to earn your stripes. Like I said, I'm passionate about helping our young players in, in the squad now as club captain. And that won't change for when I retire to, to being a coach. So whether it's 18s, 23s, I may, we might be somewhere else to start with, but I don't, yeah, my two clubs, Bradford or Man U, I'd love to represent both of them. Happy days. Well, Tom, thank you very much for sharing your story with us. Cheers, Paul. Cheers. Thanks, Tom. What a lovely man. That was brilliant. Very I really, good. really enjoyed yeah. that. Very good. And do you know what? Very honest. So honest mm-hmm. that it made me feel a little bit... Wanted to put your arm around him, didn't you? Yeah, well, yeah. you think about people that have come on the podcast who have maybe only played a handful of games for Manchester United, like... Yeah. Less than 10. Yeah. And for them, even playing one game for Manchester United is the pinnacle that you can reach. We know we always joke about that with you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> if you could just have that one game. You know, Tom's played yeah. 55 times for Manchester yeah. United. That's nothing and to be An integral part of the squad Absolutely. for many years. Absolutely. And, you know, to come out and... I mean, I mentioned it in the podcast about, you know, the, the transition from managers. Maybe if Sir Alex would have been still at the club for that year when David Moyes came in, maybe he could have had a longer career at United because I'm sure the manager would have seen the effects of that pressure and, you know, the way Tom were playing. Maybe it took him out of the out of the firing line. I think a few yeah. more players as well because so many yeah. academy... When you're in the spotlight at Manchester United, I mean, it's, a, it's the biggest club in the world and you've got box office every game, people watching you and you get everybody's opinion. With social media now, you, you you know, you're in the spotlight all the time and it must have been tough for him, but he's very, very honest and I like that. I really do. It was interesting, like you said, about Danny Welbeck, because there's a point, and I think a lot of United fans will look to a, a very specific point in our history where a lot of players left at the same time. People like um, Chicharito left, obviously, Danny Welbeck left, mm-hmm. Raphael left, Johnny Evans left, Tom left, and you wonder... How many of those needed to go? How much did that affect the dressing room? Those players that, not all of them, but uh, were academy players that had been there such a long time. Mm. Yeah. Big upheaval at one time or over space of. And also what, the fact that United was so successful year in, year out, year in, year out, whether it's gone for titles, gone for uh, different trophies. You know, it's just one of those that, you know, Tom said, you know, going from first and then down to seventh was, was a big call for everybody, really, to get themselves sorted out. But. Yeah, fair play to him. I enjoyed it. I did. Yeah, I, really I did. think loads of people and, will and love, that love that podcast. He wants to come back to the club yeah, in some capacity. Yeah. He's left that door open. And I like that. And the, listen, this is his first step. We all know what the podcast yeah. leads to. Oh, yes. Fletch. Yeah. yeah. That's your proof. Talking of that, I have met some lovely fans actually recently of the podcast. Adam and Shane from Australia. Go on. Can I? <laughs> They are massive United uh, podcast fans and I met them at the game last week. So a shout out to them. Nice. I, I also met a lovely American man. He's from New York. Can't remember his name. Uh, so that's not ideal. But he was really nice and uh, he told me how much he loved the podcast and how much he enjoyed listening to it. Man so, from New York. That's you. Cheers, mate. He knows who he is. The man from New York. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can either bump into us in the real world like the Australians did with Helen or the nice man from New York did with me or probably easier. You can email us, unitedpodcast at mayunited.co.uk and then we can read them out on the next one. Cheers. See you later. Bye.